wonderful to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. When you have a question for me, go to clark.com ask. There's an industry in the United States that is facing a challenge right now that is so difficult that the answers have not been easy. The vehicles that we drive, if you buy a well-equipped vehicle that you bought in the last couple of years, it has all kinds of automation on it that vehicles never used to have, that can automatically do emergency braking potentially, can keep you from running into another vehicle that you start to move into their lane and your blind spot, or it can be well beyond these new safety devices designed to prevent accidents rather than the prior phase of safety, which was to try to keep us alive or reduce injuries when we're in an accident. Whole different era avoiding accidents. So the question is, who's liable? Who's responsible? If you're operating a vehicle that has automation in it, or even steps beyond like Cadillac with its technology where the vehicle's self-driving on a huge number of divided highways and interstates in the country, or Tesla that is within, by its telling, within, I think, 10 months of launching fully autonomous vehicles, and Waymo, which is a subsidiary of Alphabet, the parent company of Google, who has vehicles on the road in Arizona that are completely autonomous. So if there's an accident... In spite of all this automation, who's at fault? Is it the automaker or is it the person who is essentially considered to be behind the wheel? Auto insurance historically has been set based on the driver. What kind of record do you have? In a lot of states, more often it's your credit score. But if you had accidents, tickets, that kind of thing, your age, If you're a guy under 25, you're a wreck waiting to happen, according to the insurance industry, you pay a lot more. But now we're in this awkward phase that I call the teenage years for automation, where you still have vehicles on the road that are completely under the control of a driver, others that will be completely under the control of the vehicle, and many, many tens of millions of vehicles on the road that are in between. I was in a vehicle recently, a rental, that was partially self-driving. I didn't even know it was until I was driving down the road and I started to steer and the, you know, I was starting to steer a little and the car wouldn't let me and I realized there was this green logo on the dash that meant the car on the, on the dashboard that meant the vehicle was driving, not me. And it wasn't really ready for prime time. It didn't always work as well as it should. So if I'd run into something, is that my fault? Is that the car's fault? So auto insurers are scratching their heads and they've not figured this out. So Tesla that always is upsetting the apple cart and everything they do is going to sell auto insurance direct to owners of Teslas that takes into account that a lot of what's happening with Teslas is the car, not you as the driver. Now, your rates will go up or down 
if you're a lunatic behind the wheel, if they can tell that you do rapid lane changes and you do quick starts and quick stops, you'll pay more than somebody else who drives more moderately. But the idea is that most of what will set your rate is the automation in the vehicle and its ability to avoid accidents in the first place because of the automation. So this is going to be a tough one, and every insurer is going to have to figure out how you set prices in an era where the vehicle is doing more and more of the work and making more and more of the decisions, and you and I are less and less involved. And then there's this incredible societal benefit is people get much older and maybe they no longer should be driving a vehicle, but then you restrict their mobility. I've told the story about how tough it was for us to take my mom's keys away when she wouldn't stop driving when she should have stopped driving. And so we kidnapped her car as kids. I mean, I guess we could have been arrested for grand theft auto. She came downstairs one day in her apartment and (laughs) her car was gone. And we had taken it because we had to get her off the road. And we're moving into a time where someone whose abilities may have started to deteriorate will be just fine because the vehicle will drive them to where they're trying to go. Tony's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Tony? Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. So I'm curious, are you excited, nervous, or skeptical about vehicles driving themselves? I'm excited. Um, I have a, a mother who uh, had her uh, keys taken away, and she's anxious for these autonomous vehicles to uh, start coming out. I did a, you know, I do a lot of TV, and I did a TV story when Tesla first came out with um, autopilot for driving on freeways. And my stories, because a lot of them touch on businesses, are always reviewed by lawyers before they air and the lawyer just freaked out this was in 2015 when i have you know i had all the cameras in the car with me and i'm driving down the road no hands on the wheel no feet on an accelerator or brake and the car is just <laughs> driving and the lawyer was just absolutely uh into contortions and i had to add a line to my script about how how important it is to always keep your eyes on the road and keep your hand on the wheel just in case the automation doesn't work. So what's going on with you? Uh, well, my, my question, Clark, is um, my wife is an oil painter and um, she sells her paintings online. Um, and in the summertime, we travel around to different art festivals um, in the local New England area and um for the past few years, we've rented vans uh, to get us and all of our art uh, and all of our equipment uh, to and from these shows. Uh, that ends up costing us about you know two hundred, two hundred and fifty dollars each time, depending on how far away the the, the festival is. So we've uh, considered purchasing a used van um, that would save us on the rental cost, um, and that would also help us uh, in between shows. We can leave some of the equipment uh, in the van rather than packing it and unpacking it every single time with a rental van. So I was looking to get your opinion if, if that was the way to go, or if, if not, then is there some way we can help reduce our rental van costs? All right, so you got a couple of advantages here, and you mentioned a big one that's not a dollars and cents one, and that is 
the hassle of you having to uh, offload and reload over and over again is a burden over the course of festival season that you're doing. And so that is, as your wife has been successful doing these festivals, it's got staying power, you know you're going to keep doing them, having a vehicle just because it makes running the business uh, more convenient, I think by itself is a non-economic factor, but is something that makes a lot of sense to me. The other thing is that you then have the ability, and I don't know how your wife feels about this, but you have the ability to advertise on the side of that vehicle, which you don't have now. That's true. And think about being able to drive through New England, going to, going to and from festivals, and you have one of her paintings on each side of the van or whatever the size vehicle is you get. You've got instant advertising built in with you know big links to her website. Right, right. So, so the marketing in, in value to, of that is great. Yeah. In, uh, in regard to uh, purchasing a van, I've, I've, I've looked at, um, you know, different like electric company auctions and, and other used vans. Um, I, you know, this is a van that would be fairly limited use, but we still want it to be a, a safe vehicle that will get us, you know, a couple hundred miles away from home and back. And that any, would be a problem advice? when you buy an, an industrial van, when you buy one that's been in the hands of a big industrial user because you don't know how well they've done at maintaining them unless you have firsthand knowledge of knowing somebody on the fleet side of let's say the power company or something Uh, you don't know if they've been doing a really good job with maintenance and and if it's and if they don't purge vehicles from their fleet till they have pretty high odometer readings you don't have any way of really being comfortable that they're going to be reliable on the road so you might need to step up the price point for a vehicle you buy so that you get one that's got a lower number of miles on the odometer. And okay. this well, might be a time, you know, I'm I'm usually pretty skeptical buying from rental fleets, but this may be a situation that would be an appropriate one to buy from the disposal of rental fleets because they usually okay. get rid of their vehicles when they're under 50,000 miles which would leave you with a vehicle with a lot of useful life in front of it. Sure. Okay. So, so uh, I wish you continued success and how neat to be able to have your summers outdoors across New England. Gary's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Gary. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Certainly. I just first want to say thanks for all your hard work keeping me and my fiance entertained and informed, uh, even when I... Uh, even when you do cause a little tension and with your 5G cheerleading. <laughs> but anyway, uh, uh, I was recently promoted to a GM of a small manufacturing business in my 20 years of complaining about the 401k, uh, 401k fees recently uh, bit me in the butt. Uh, they said, okay, find some place better. So now I'm trying to find a place to put our 401k for a small business, and I'm just not having much luck. How many employees um, I, do you have? Uh, there's 15 of us, and I'd say half of us are actually utilizing it. So seven to eight, maybe. All right. Then I think right now there's only one viable yeah. choice in the marketplace for that size group, uh-huh. and that's Betterment, B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T. Okay. And so their 401k fees are much, much, much lower than 
than most plans being offered to small businesses. Mm-hmm. And the um, the cost to the employees for the uh, the expense ratios in the funds will generally be as low as like a tenth of a point. Oh, wow. That's great. And if you're in a small business plan with that number of employees from the traditional providers of small business plans, your all-in cost is probably more like one and a half to two percent. Yeah, like 1.3. They'll put us in a John Hancock, but then they'll tack on another 1%, which is crazy. Right. So So that's why you want to get away. Historically, small business 401ks have been very heavily um, sold by and administered by insurance companies, and Mm -hmm. they're extremely expensive to be in. So that's why what Betterment is offering is a potentially really good idea. And then the other possibility... Do you use a payroll service? No, I'm definitely going to be pushing for it because they're still doing the old-fashioned paper checks and I hate them. Almost and, certainly uh, it'll be cheaper for the company if you go to a payroll service. And the big national payroll services tend to offer low-cost or lower-cost 401ks for small businesses. Mm-hmm. And it'd be if this might be a time that you do the double switch. You go to automated payroll and as part of it, you see what they're offering for 401k, and you might have a way to do a lot of great things for your employees by getting them a really, really low-cost 401k, and those people who aren't participating maybe will start participating. Jason joins us on the Clark Howard Show, and Jason, you have an offer from your local power company that's interesting to you. Tell me about it. Okay, it's an alternative to putting solar panels on your own roof or your own property. It's called community solar. And what they do is they allow you to be a part of their solar field for a small discount on your electricity bill. And you live in the Sunshine State, the state of Florida, is that right? Yes, I wish it was cheaper and more efficient for us to be able to harness the sun. (laughs) Don't worry about it because Florida is, after years of being and also ran in solar in the United States, is quickly ramping up massive new, util- what are known as utility-scale installations of solar. They're going to pop up all over uh, Florida inland away from the coast and then feed right into the grid that serves the big population centers along the coast. You don't need to buy into something like this, Jason, because it's going to happen naturally. Because in Florida, it is overwhelmingly more cost effective to generate power from solar than any other way. And the dominant power provider in the state of Florida, which is FPL, if you're familiar with them, I don't know if that's your power provider. That's not mine, but I'm familiar. FPL is doing installs of these massive solar farms that are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres and doing the thing that's been proven to make power so much more reliable than it's ever been in the United States by adopting the Australian system where you have battery backup for the solar. So this is going to happen anyway because it's in the economic interests of the power companies you don't need to subsidize it by helping them by paying extra for what they're calling from your utility um, community solar. 
Correct. Sounds like a crazy deal to pay more. For something that uh, they can do cheaper than how they've generated power till now. That's correct. So save your money. Thank you, sir. And so finally, the Sunshine State is going to take advantage of that huge orb in the sky that generates this fantastic free power that now becomes reliable even when it's intermittent sun because of these incredible battery packs. I've actually seen them at a solar farm, and it is a game changer. I'm so glad you've taken time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You know, you rely on me. You call me, you write, you go to our websites, looking for guidance, advice, things you can put to work in your life. And if you hear me give an opinion, give an answer to someone, whatever, and you feel that I'm misguided, I'm missing the mark, I've got a blind spot, I need to hear from you. Because what's important to me is that I give you information you can trust every possible way. And if you feel that I let you down, take the time to go to Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. There you can post where you feel I didn't say something correctly or that I was just wrong or that you disagree with an opinion I have. Others can read what you have said. They can comment as well. And then once a week, our producer, Krista, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks, and she shares them with you right here, right now. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, your favorite part of the week. Here we go. It is my favorite part of the week because I believe that we get set in our ways and we get in our habits and having to rethink and reset is one of the best things any of us can do as a human. In regards to people that have online banks and do not know how to make a deposit, we have a free checking account at a local bank. Well, it's a national big box bank, but any will do. And we just transfer the money after we deposit it there. Some methods of free transfer take a few days, but Zelle is free and instantaneous. Thank you for all of your advice. You have helped me learn a lot, Charles. Thank you, Charles. Uh, one thing you should know about Zelle, Zelle is owned by a co-op of the banks and does not have any good security attached to it and with it or consumer rights with it. So use Zelle very cautiously. I'd rather you do the institution-to-institution transfers that you can do that take a couple of days for the money to move instead of using Zelle. You said on your show that the best place to look for health coverage was healthcare.net. But after going there, I've received over 1,000 calls and texts from one company. This has turned my life into a living hell. I should have been warned that this was a possibility. I love you, Clark, but you stink. Brendan. Brendan, I am really sorry that happened to you. I always say healthcare.gov. And so I didn't even know that somebody had registered. Well, I should sure have there assumed are lots of they would have. The yeah. have registered. But healthcare.gov is the official site. And that's the only one anyone should ever go to. Any other site would just be a lead generation site, just like you have experienced with these zillion 
spam mails that you've been getting. I am so sorry that's happened to you and you're having to deal with it. Vince says, I have out-cheaped Clark. I heard him talking about paint samples, and I have less a less expensive way of seeing paint on the walls. Get several of the little paint samples of each of the colors you want, then tape them together to form a square as big as you want. Tape them to the <laughs> wall and step back. Also, I like to, like to look at the samples for a couple of days under different light conditions before I make a decision. It's also easier to move to different walls in the room or to another room if before you that you might use the same color and best of all free free beats a few dollars for each little container okay that is really funny so if you didn't hear me talking about this before we do when my wife and i paint a room and we only paint ourselves if we're doing a small project painting a bedroom in our home otherwise we hire a professional painter to paint but we go buy little teeny containers of paint of various ones we're considering, and we paint them wide strips on the wall, let them dry, let them sit, and figure out if any of the colors are right, and if so, which one would be the best color. Your way takes it from costing us a few bucks to zero. I have to first say that I love Clark, and I have been listening to the podcast for about nine years. Recently, I've been able to catch the snippets that Clark does for our local news channel here in Jacksonville. And my husband and I both said if we weren't already familiar with Clark, we would think he was a straight-up weirdo. I'm so sorry, Clark, but the way you sign off after each segment sounds so goofy. I know you're only saying, I'm Clark Howard, but the sing-songy way it's said is awkward. You're amazing, but I don't think your amazingness comes across in these segments. Maybe it has to do with that sign-off. I hope you continue to love what you do because I don't know what I'd do without you in my podcast feed. Keep up the good work, Clark and team. Sonia. Sonia, thank you. You know, as I travel the country in, in cities where I'm on the local television news with my syndicated TV segments, people will come up to me and they'll say, say it, say it. And I know right away what they mean. I'm Clark Howard. So the thing is, <laughs> every TV station has its own way of doing what are known as SIGALs, which is, you know, we're live, blah, blah, blah. And so since... I'm a syndicated TV product. I have to do just my own generic kind of sign-off, and that's what we do, or SIG out, is I'm Clark Howard. And so maybe the way I say it is uh, is a little odd. It is a lot odd. Oh, Kim, you think it's a lot odd? Over the top. I'm Clark Howard. Would that be better? <laughs> then that sounds very authoritative. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Please don't encourage people to deposit money orders via mobile phone. A lot of banks won't accept them. Also, if someone is doing this often and for large amounts, the account may likely get shut down since banks might suspect someone of money laundering may hold the funds, etc. Proceed with caution, Brian. Brian, thank you for that. You know, this has been a conundrum that we've had more comments on over the last year than most any other thing is with the online banks that don't accept cash, how in the world do you get cash into your account? And it is a difficult thing. I mean, Krista started the Clark Stinks with someone posting about having a traditional bank account that was fee-free that you could use as a way of getting cash into your main account, which is an online bank account. So this is something that I don't have a perfect answer to, and I appreciate your continued suggestions. 
I listen to your show almost every day. I really enjoy when potential landlords call in for your advice. When discussing the pros and cons, you make many great points. However, I've never heard you talk about moving back into a rental property and staying long enough to claim it as a primary residence and then selling it tax-free with certain limits. My rentals are all nearby, and since my wife and I plan to retire in place, we can move into one where we downsize and sell our home tax-free, then live there until the primary residence requirement is met and do it once more if we desire. At present, we enjoy a great deal of income from the rentals because all but one are mortgage-free. But if we tire of landlord duties and would like the money instead, this seems like a good way to avoid giving a substantial sum to Uncle Sam. Don't misunderstand. I'm a patriot. I spent 23 years in the U.S. Marines. But as you are well aware, being a landlord can be a real challenge. Besides, I think my wife and I can spend the money more wisely than the government or even leave it to my daughter, son-in-law, and grandkids. Am I wrong? Keep up the great work. Lawrence. Lawrence, thank you for your more than two decades of service to our nation in the Marines. And once a Marine, always a Marine. I do want to let you know, my understanding is the tax code was changed. And if you have a rental property and then move back into it, you do not get the blanket exemption from capital gains tax anymore. You get a ratio of it when you go to sell the property. Now, I'm about 95% certain on that, but that's my understanding about how it now works if you try to convert a rental property back into a personal residence is you don't get the full quarter million or half million exemption. Okay, couple about this. Hey Clark, I love the show, but I have to disagree with the recent advice you gave to a father who wanted to pay for his daughter's college. She wanted to be a PA. You encouraged him to get her to let her take out loans instead of him paying for it. Your rationale was if she's going to make more money in one year than it would cost, it's a good idea. The problem is risk. Maybe in a perfect world it's okay, but what if she doesn't graduate, drops out, gets married, wants a family, or changes her major? Now she's chained to this enormous debt. Always pay if you can. Love the show. Rich in Melbourne, Florida. Rich, thank you. And let me read the second oh, one. Oh, go ahead. You don't stink because I know you can afford soap and water, but I'm commenting on the advice you gave the mother of a college student who will attend PA school. You recommend she not worry about repayment of school loans because her salary, $100,000 plus. Please remind her that it may take years for her to be paid that amount. In general, inexperienced PAs just out of school have to work up to a salary this high. James. James, thank you as well. When I take a question like that, it's it's hard to get the answer exactly right. And so I really appreciate both of your perspectives on it. In that particular situation, I was worried about a student not appreciating enough the sacrifices of the parent and the parent's ability to afford the cost of the tuition. And because of the career prospects with a PA, that's why I was talking about letting the PA take on some of the student loan debt. You recently told a caller you think it's okay to use the same LastPass account on a dedicated financial Chromebook and personal computers or devices. Although your advice to the caller and anyone listening stinks, as a hacker, I'd like to thank you. You've just made it easier for me to gain access to financial passwords by hacking their personal devices. For example, I could install a keylogger on a hacked device to potentially read a master password as it's typed. Since the financial passwords are stored in the same vault, they'll be all mine. Mwah! Yours, Hacker McHackerson. 
Thank you very much, and I will change the advice I give going forward on that because your knowledge is obviously vastly superior to mine and how hackerdom works. Mr. Howard. Oh, come on. I won't make a funny joke about how you stink because I think this issue is so important. A father called asking what to do about his two kids when he and his wife were both out of the house. He said that neither child had a cell phone, and he asked what you recommended to keep them safe. He asked for alternatives, and you said he should go with Freedom Pop. Freedom Pop? What you should have told him was to get a home phone line. Would you put a price on the safety of your family? Would you be willing to risk their well-being to save a few dollars? That being said, there are many home phone options like Uma, Magic Jack, a phone line through your cable company, or even an old-fashioned landline. Yes, I still have one of those myself, as you do, if I remember correctly. Your advice to all parents of young children should be to get a home phone, you know, one that works when you pick it up to call 911 or anyone else you need to call. You do a great service for those who listen to you, except maybe this time, Richard. Richard, that's a very good suggestion. UMA is extremely inexpensive. You pay just a few regulatory pass-throughs each month, typically 4 or $5 a month. And then you have that great dial tone that would tell 911 exactly where the address is and all the other things. A magic Jack, not quite as much, but I like your suggestion as an alternative to mine of having a cell phone there for the kids to use. And I appreciate all your posts. When there's something you feel I've been incomplete about, incorrect, whatever, please let me know because this is how you make me better it's serving you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Alexi is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how you doing? Great, thank you. Thanks for taking my call. You're a blessing to a lot of people. Well, you're kind to say that. And you've you got are. you've got a great thing. You've got some time. You can go wherever you want in the world. Is that right? Yes, sir. We're supposed to be on vacation at this time, but we postponed it uh, because we're supposed to be on a cruise uh, in Russia. But the ship that we're supposed to board... That's the same ship that had the problem in Norway and had to be rescued last month. So we didn't want to go get on that boat after the repair. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yes. So you didn't, have, you yeah. didn't want to end up being rescued at sea by a helicopter? No, no. We don't want to test, test drive the boat after the repair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So I'm asking for recommendation. What do you suggest we can, you know, where we can go? Um, that's, you know, that's safe, not too far, inexpensive, and with good food, and that's to see. 
Wow. So not necessarily another cruise, just a trip somewhere that would be great. Yes, sir. And where in the country do you live? San Diego. Oh, how do you leave San Diego? Come on. Well, you know, to break the monotony. <laughs> We're blessed here, but sometimes we have to get out. Right. So is Hawaii too much a cliche to say? Because the deals have been so good from San Diego and elsewhere in the West to Hawaii. And you certainly have a lot of really high-end resorts that would be the equivalent of taking a vacation on a Viking ship. Um, we've been to Hawaii about seven times already, so we're thinking of Argentina. I know you're high Oh, I love Chile. Argentina. Oh, okay. Argentina's a great place, but I want you to do something different, okay? Yes, Have sir. you ever heard me talk about going to Kayak Explore? No. I'd like you to write down this web address, if you would, kayak.com, K-A-Y-A-K.com, slash explore. Explore. And put in San Diego, and then mm -hmm. it will show you right now the lowest fare everywhere in the world that it knows about from San Diego. Okay. And like right now, it's not showing a good deal to Argentina at all. It's showing 1564 round trip. Wow, that's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I let the deal drive me. You know, wherever the deals are, that's mm -hmm. where I run off to. Um, like London right now, 681 round trip. Or you go to mm. Asia. You ever been to Thailand? Not yet. Thailand. Oh, do I love Thailand. That is, that is okay. a great destination. Singapore, I'm looking at these prices right now uh, from San Diego, Bangkok, 760, Singapore, 724, uh, Saigon, Vietnam, 710, Hong Kong, mm -hmm. 477 round trip. Wow. Okay. Shanghai, 400. I mean, there are really, really great deals. So if you did the Clark method, you'd go wherever in the world is on sale right now okay and that's what i love about kayak explorers just just see what the world's got and mm, then okay. pick a place you like kayak than uh, priceline i heard you before you, you like priceline well what for airfares i really love this kayak tool where you oh, can okay. see what's available around the world and since you live in san diego i know what a hassle it is to fly from lax but yes. a lot of times, international airfares are so much cheaper than from LAX that mm -hmm. I'd at least consider looking at what the prices are from LAX around the world. And who knows where you're going to end up with on this trip that is just spontaneous and is going to happen, and you fill that vacation hole. If I were filling it, I'd fill it with a place in Asia. That's just me. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.